So this is the last in a series that I've been doing on the whole concept, the whole idea of stewardship. We wanted to be good stewards of everything that God has put into our lives. And we've been asking this question again and again and again that I would ask you to say back to me if I thought or if I wasn't worried that you might not say what I thought you were going to say. Uh, but the question is critically important for all of us. doesn't matter whether you're a Christian here today or not. This question is really important if you want to make a mark with your life, if you want to leave a dent on the earth when you go and shuffle off this mortal coil. And the question is this, what are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what you've been given? And uh, we've looked at loads of different things over the course of the last few months, I suppose. And today, this is the last one, we're looking at what are you doing with the gifts that you've been given? The gifts, the skills, the abilities, the capacities, supernatural and natural that you've been given. What are you doing with them? Uh, When I was a kid, this is in the days before the Xbox, in the days before the internet, in the days when TV had four channels and they were all in black and white. Uh, We had to make our own entertainment because, you know, dad was often watching something on the TV that we didn't want to watch. And so we we became a house that played a lot of pranks on each other. Anyone anyone else grow up in a house like that? Uh, So we quickly learned that in the cartoons, when they put a bucket full of water and they rest it on a slightly open door, we quickly learned that actually that's a sure way to do some serious injury to someone because every litre of water weighs a kilogram and the bottom of of a bucket is often quite sharp. And so you open the door, the bucket comes down and injures someone in the head. That's not good, so we didn't do that very often. We did other things like hiding baby monitors behind the sofa and then freaking out grandma, you know. (laughs) Where's that coming from? Or, or replacing the sugar in the sugar bowl with soap powder, uh, washing powder. Anyone do that? That is bad. The worst one we ever did was my poor sister. She, she, was, she was our kid sister. She's five years younger than me and my brother. Um, she was beside herself, really excited about Christmas. And so every, every day she'd come home from school, she'd run straight into the living room to check what presents had appeared under the Christmas tree during the course of the day. And, she, you know, she'd squeeze them and, and weigh them and, and shake them and all of that. So she was really, really excited about that. And so we decided to rob her of her childhood. Uh, so what we did was we staged a burglary. Uh, and so she comes home from school one day. She's so excited, wide-eyed with anticipation. She runs into the living room where she finds a Christmas tree on its side, baubles everywhere, cushions all over the floor. We'd emptied the waste paper basket all over the place. It was a total mess, and we'd hidden the presents. So she comes in. What's happened? And we were like... Oh no, we try not, we're desperately trying to conceal our glee and, you know, with mock horror we said, it looks like we've been burgled. And she was absolutely horrified. She, she made a bolt for the door where my mum was and, and as she headed towards the door she tripped over a whole load of the rubbish that had been on the floor. She went flying through the air, her eye perfectly connected with the door handle. And she had a black eye that came right out here. And it was all through Christmas into, into the new year. You can imagine that we were really popular in our household. Anyway, the point is, it's not possible for anyone to steal your gifts. But it is possible for you to hide them. 
It's not possible for the world, the flesh, or the devil to reach into your life and take what God himself has deposited there. Your skills, your abilities, your capacities. But it is possible for you to bury them, for you to hide them, or for them to be dramatically, tragically underused. If ever there was a time in the life of our church for all of us to have another look inside ourselves and see what God's put there, now is the moment. Now is the moment. You know, we're in a, a, a really exciting um, kind of inflection point as a church right now. And, and it's a moment of transition. There's lots happening. So, for example, the Ellen site is just about to be, the leadership of it is about to be taken over by Brian and Tammy Doherty. They just moved there this Friday from Stonehaven. Uh, and uh, they're going to be, you know, finding their feet in that site over the next few months. And then we believe in God, just bringing that site into a whole new season in God. We're really excited about that. Thomas and Mary Urquhart are gathering a team of people, even as I speak, and uh, taking a team of people to Inverness to go and plant a brand new church in Inverness. I think already, including children, they've got about 20 people on their team moving house, which is absolutely amazing. We're so thrilled about what's happening there. The Gilt Park site, uh, you may know... uh, um, Hazel and Dave Hall have handed over uh, for the next six months the leadership of that site to Chris and Libby Grange because Hazel's not been at all well. And so they've taken on that. And so, we're, again, that, that whole site is quite amazing to watch. That whole site is kind of gathering around them, looking to them and looking to God and saying, what's next for us as a site, God? And, and as well as all of that, we are all dreaming and conspiring and planning um, imagining what it would be like to plant 21 new churches in Scotland over the next five years. Um, that's a faith target. We believe that God's given us that number. We, we, we may only plant 10. Uh, 10 new churches in Scotland would be fantastic. We'd be delighted with that. Well, we're going to try and plant 21. And uh, we just had meetings this week with some of the senior members, senior leadership of the Vineyard family of churches in the UK this week. And uh, they're saying, oh, that's so exciting. How can we get behind you? How can we help to resource what's happening? And, and that's, it's been brilliant, really, really exciting. And so with all of that going on, the point is, wouldn't it be really great if we could all steward our gifts well? The picture I have is of us all taking out a great big wooden spoon and plunging it into our lives and stirring up the gift of God that's within you. Or taking out a great big fan and fanning into flame the gift of God that's in you. If ever there was a moment for not hiding your light under a bushel or, or you know, being backwards and coming forwards or whatever the phrase is. And a moment for just taking everything that God's put within you and bringing it to God and saying, God, how do you want me to use that? Uh, then that, now's the moment. And so we're looking at this whole idea about how do we steward well the gift that is within us. And I've been reading this little few sentences in 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, it may be come up on the screen right now. He, uh, he says this, and I, I've been so stirred by this. He says, the end of all things is near. Well, let's be honest, it's nearer now than it was when he wrote that. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace 
in its various forms. We've been looking at being faithful servants, faithful stewards these last few months, and there it is in the scriptures. Faithful stewards of God's grace. How do we become faithful stewards of God's grace? Each of us should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve others. In other words, we have two options, and that's what I've called this talk. Use it or use it. Those are the two, you know, if you want to be obedient to God and obedient to his word in your life today, the two options you have are to use the gift of God that's within you or to use the gift of God that's within you. There is no other option available. We've got to use the gifts that we have. And so we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about a whole bunch of gifts that God may well have put within you and me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. They obviously didn't know that. Some people didn't know that, which is why he's writing that. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Amen. So there are a whole bunch of different lists similar to this one throughout the New Testament. And so we could have read from a whole bunch of different places. I like to remember it because they're like two pairs. So Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4. And then Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in fact, in this chapter that we're reading from, 1 Corinthians 12, there are two lists, one at the beginning that we read and another one that comes verse 28 or something like that onwards. And so there are all these gifts. And what's really interesting about these lists is that no two lists are the same. What I think we can learn from that is that God is incredibly generous with his gifts. And, and what he's doing is he's, he's looking out on his people and he's, as he's creating us and as we're following him, he's giving more gifts all the time. And they're all different. We're all different, aren't we? You're different to the person sat next to you. You have a whole different, unique set of gifts and skills and capacities that your next door neighbour doesn't have. How brilliant is that? And you could have the gift of tongues and the gift of miracles and you could have the gift of administration and the gift of mercy and the gift of giving to the needs of others. It's extraordinary, the the wide variety of gifts. Uh, And one of the things that's absolutely clear is it's certainly not static. The gifts that you're born with are not the gifts that you die with. You get more as you go through life. That's why he says uh, towards the end of this chapter and also at the start of chapter 14, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Why would he say that? He'd say that because if you eagerly desire them and you knock on the door of heaven and you say, please God, can I have the gift of tongues? Who knows? He may give you the gift of tongues. 
So it's not static, it's dynamic, it's changing. We're, we're, God is adding to us all the time because that's the kind of God he is. And, I won't say but, because that just crosses out everything I've just said. And, it just really struck me that the gifts that are specifically mentioned in this passage that we read are gifts that we desperately need as a church right now. And you could go down the list and you could say, Lord, please would you give some people in our church a fresh um, level of the gift of wisdom. How brilliant would it be if there were some people in our church who could come to the leaders, the leaders, the leadership of the church and say, I think I just, I think God's given us a way through here. I think there's a, a change of place or a change of person or a change of pace or whatever it is that would just make all the difference in this situation. We need more of that. Or the gift of knowledge, that someone could say, I shouldn't know this, but somehow, supernaturally, God has given me a knowledge that I didn't previously have into this situation. I think, I think this is the thing. Or the gift of prophecy. Lord, please, please, God. If there would be some people in our church who would be hearing God in a whole, uh, to a whole other level, the kind of level that Paul talk, talks about later on where he says, you know, that people might come in from outside the church and they might think, oh my goodness, the secrets of my heart are being revealed in this place and that they would bow down on their faces and say, God is surely amongst you. Or, or the gift of faith. Please, God, would you give some people in our church the gift of faith? You know, we don't often talk about this and it, hopefully it's not always obvious but sometimes as leaders, whether it's in the workplace or in the church, you can come to a place where you're kind of worn down. And, and it's like the glass starts to be half empty rather than half full. And in those moments, it's critically important that there's somebody in the church, somebody in the fellowship, who can get alongside and say, I, I know that God is going to see us through this. You know, a bit like Caleb it was to, to Moses. You know, come on, let's go and take what's been promised to us because we can certainly do it. God's with us. That's what we need. And so we, we desperately need each one of us to be stir, putting the big wooden spoon into our lives and stirring up the gift and, and asking God for more. And so we want to be good stewards of the gifts that we have. And I've got four, four things, four points, four, four ways in which we could become better stewards. And praise the Lord, they all begin with the letter S. Uh, some of them only by the skin of their teeth do they begin with the letter S, but we'll just see where we go. So number one, this is probably the most dubious S. Um, be skillful. Be skillful. Verse one. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. I find this, this letter to the Corinthians absolutely fascinating because th- he's writing to a church that is in a mess. And in particular, they're in a mess with regards to the, the gifts of the Spirit. And in, in particular, it's the gift of tongues. It's causing division, it's causing um, resentment, it's causing some people to get positions of honour and some people to not get positions of honour. And it's just a mess. Now, if, if you or I were in that situation... We would just be writing to them saying, listen, this is just causing a mess. Steer clear of the gifts of the Spirit. Whatever you do, stay away. It's a bit like saying to a kid, who, you know, a toddler, who every time you give them ice cream, they smear it all over the walls. You know, and he writes to them, eagerly desire ice cream. 
You know, I, I thank God that I eat ice cream more than all of you. It just doesn't make any sense. He says, eagerly desire spiritual, the very thing that's causing the division. He says, it's so precious, it's so lovely, it's so powerful, it means so much and it changes so much. Eagerly desire it, even though it's causing division. But, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. In other words, it's not, it's not the gifts of the Spirit that are causing the problem, it's you're ignorant of them. You don't know enough. And if you knew more, it wouldn't be such a mess. And uh, it seems to me that there, are two, that there are two things or two aspects of that knowledge that we desperately need. I think this is a critically important thing. If we want to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us, we have to know about them. Or to put it another way, we're very unlikely to be good stewards of the gifts that we have if we're ignorant. And so there are two things that we need to know. First of all, we need to know, we need to have biblical knowledge of the gifts that we have. Um, just imagine that I'm 17 years old and I've, I'm, I want to take my driving test. And so I've, I've, oh, here we go, we've got some driving instructors in the room. So, so I've got my Ford Fiesta, I've had it lowered by way more than is sensible to get over a speed bump. I've got the great big exhaust pipe on the back, I've had the windows tinted, uh, you know, I've got um, bucket seats and racing harnesses for my 1.1 engine. And <laughs> I've got everything I need, and I'm, I'm just about there, I'm just about ready for the moment when the guy says, and when I tap my clipboard on the dashboard. They don't do that anymore, do they? Sometimes they do. You know, whenever I let you know in some kind of a way that you have to do an emergency stop, you have to pull an emergency stop. Before all of that happens, before you can take your practical test, what do you need to do? You need to take your theory test. You need to know that in this country we drive on the left, mostly. Uh, And uh, when we go around roundabouts, we're supposed to indicate people. (laughs) And uh, people. And, And when we, um, you know, the horn is supposed to alert people to uh, some, something that's coming up ahead and not to just express how cross we are at something that's just happened. We need to understand the boundaries. We need to understand how, how it's supposed to work. And of course that's true of the gifts of the Spirit. I don't want you to be uninformed, he says. So in other words, if we, if we sense that perhaps, I feel like I'm called to be a, a leader, a pastor, a shepherd of God's people, or, or a shepherd in the workplace, a pastor, I think God's given me a pastoral gift. Why would we not just pour over the scriptures, find every single verse that has any relation to pastoring people, and make sure that we understand its full weight? got to understand what the Bible says about how our gifts are to operate if we are supposed, if we're going to be good stewards. However, biblical knowledge, theoretical knowledge is not enough. Imagine that there's somebody here today, you're, you're about to go on, a hol- on the holiday of a lifetime and you've got, um, maybe that's somebody here, you've got your, your suitcase at the back there and as soon as the service finishes and you've had a cup of tea, this, the taxi's going to arrive and it's going to pick you up and take you to Hull or, or Barbados or wherever it is that you're really excited to go to. And um, 
So you get in the car, you know, he, he puts his you know, suitcase in the boot, you get to the car, you sit next to him, and he says, oh, while you're sat there, would you mind just holding the manual up in, a, in a, at an angle that I can see it? You know, could you just turn to the bit about changing gear? I'm not quite sure I understood that bit. And you're like, oh, do you not know how to drive? And the taxi driver says, I know how to drive, it's just that I've never actually done it before. You wouldn't consider him or her to be informed. They'd be uninformed. They've never actually done it. And it seems to me that if we're going to be good stewards of the gift of tongues, you've got to have done it a lot. If you, want to, if you think that you might have the gift of generosity, then you've got to have given a lot to find out how it works. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to be experts, in other words. I want you to be skillful. That's the first word, the first S. I know it doesn't really fit, but it almost fits, so that'll do. So, be skillful. Next one, be submitted. In our passage from verse 4, there's this amazing kind of Trinitarian um, explanation of the centrality of God's sovereignty and power when it comes to this whole idea about using our gifts. So you'll see it there from verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Do you see it? It's the same Spirit, it's the same Lord, it's the same God. God the Spirit, God the Son, God the Father, all involved in distributing the gifts to each one of us and then working through them. And so we have a decision to make. Is God Lord of it all? Is he, is he, are we giving him the ability, the permission, to tell us how we should use our gifts? When I was first a Christian, when I was 15... Almost immediately I knew that I was called to some kind of leadership. And I went to my youth leader and I said, I just think I'm called to leadership. I don't know what that means. It terrifies me. And he said, well, what you should do is you should, you should help to lead one of the small groups in our youth group. And I was like, okay, I'll give that a shot. And so uh, the small groups met in different people's homes. And, and the one that I was responsible for, we used to play silly games. And then we'd eat chocolate and then we'd open the Bible, and then we'd pray for each other, and then we'd eat more chocolate. And it went really well for about three weeks. On week four, there was a mutiny, and, and one guy started it. He said, he said, if we keep playing these silly games, I'm not coming anymore. Okay, and then another guy saw it as then permission to complain about the things that he didn't like, and he said, if you serve Safeway's own brand chocolate again, I'm not coming anymore. It's rubbish. And I had to agree with him on that. And then Somebody else said, the Bible studies are way too long. And then the next guy said, the Bible studies are way too short. And I was like, this is not going well. And then somebody else said, the youth group down the road has much better small groups than this. And they all left. They all agreed that they wouldn't come back and that they'd go to, they'd try out this other youth group. And it, the whole thing just crumbled in my hands. And I went to my youth leader and I said, I don't want to be a leader anymore. And he said, okay, that's fair enough. It's your life. He said, the only problem is, I did think that you'd surrendered that life to Jesus. And so you might just want to ask him what he wants to do with your life. And then he said that sentence that, that youth leaders always say, is if Jesus isn't Lord of all, 
Maybe he's not really Lord at all. We have to make a decision. Is it the same God who distributes the gifts? Is it the same Lord? Is it the, is it the same God at work? If it's God himself who's chosen to give you the gifts that he's given you, and he really is the Lord of your life, then maybe he has to be Lord of the gifts too. You have to live a life of submission. That's the second thing. Number three, be service-minded. When my grandmother was quite elderly, and um, she, yeah, uh, she was losing her marbles a bit, bless her, and, and we, every Christmas she got us to write down what we wanted for Christmas. And so we'd all written down these things. And she'd sent my mum out into the town to buy all the presents. And then mum had dropped them at her house. And grandma, bless her, we couldn't believe it, but she had wrapped up all these presents absolutely beautifully. You know, we were just expecting them to get them in the carrier bags that they'd come from in the shop. But she'd done an amazing job, like ribbons and bows and all of that. It was so brilliant. And... Uh, so Christmas Day comes around and Grandma comes over with these presents and she's handing them all out to people. And uh, th- this lady was there. I'm still not completely sure who she was. I think she was my uncle's wife's sister. But we've never seen, we've never seen her before. We've never seen her since. She opens up this present from Grandma and it's this Clinique perfume. And she's so delighted. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind. And everyone in the room was going, oh, that's so lovely. Except my wife, Taryn, who was going, that was the present that I asked for. (laughs) And then my sister opens up her present and it's like a box of spanners or something like that. And she's like, thank you, Grandma. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. And she's thinking, why have I got a box of spanners? not at all what I asked for. And then it went around. Not a single person in the room got the present that they'd asked for. But every present was in the room. And then we waited for Grandma to fall asleep in front of the Queen's speech or whatever. And then we all went into the kitchen and we just all swapped around. <laughs> the point is, actually that is how God distributes the gifts. He gives them to each one of us and then we're supposed to bring those to serve one another. In fact, that's what he says in both of the passages that we read this morning. He says the same thing. Verse 7, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Or in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. And so here's how I think it works. Somebody in the room, and I'm sure this will be true today, is in a situation where their job is very insecure and you don't know from one day to the next whether you're going to walk in and be made redundant or not. And you've been praying and you've been fasting and you've been asking God for some direction in your job situation. And God gives a gift of prophecy to somebody else. And they have to bring that gift and they have to serve you with their gift. This is what we think God's saying to you in your situation. Somebody else is in a financial mess and it's like all the bills have just piled up on top of each other and you don't know what to do. And God gives the gift of generosity to somebody else and they have to bring that gift to serve you. Somebody else is in a situation where they've got like a lump on their leg that's looking a bit dodgy and it's quite painful and you've been worried about it and you've been asking God and you've booked a doctor's appointment and you're ready for that moment and then God gives the gift of healing to Somebody else. And then the beauty of the church is then we all bring the gifts that we've received and we use them to serve one another. 
That's how it's supposed to work. And so if we're focused, when we're thinking about how would I steward my gifts well, you know, what am I doing with the gifts that I've been given, if, if the focus is on my satisfaction and my fulfillment and achieving my dreams, then this thing is never going to work how it's supposed to. But if I choose to not focus on myself and to look around the room and say somewhere in this room today there is someone who needs an aspect of the gift that I've been given, then it starts to look like the church that Jesus died for. And so really, in some ways, the critical question is that we should be asking ourselves a lot, who is there nearby to me right now who is crying out to God for a breakthrough and will continue to cry out to God, continue to wait until I bring my gifts to serve them? Be service-minded. And the last one is to be secure I don't know whether it's so true now, but when I was a kid, we used to go on holiday to France um, camping a lot in the summer. And, and there used to be quad bikes for hire at the side of the road. And, and we used to beg my parents, every time we drove past, um, please, can we just stop and just race those quad bikes around that track there? And they'd always say no, but one time they said yes. And so we, we pulled off the road, we went to the little man in his, or, or the, the man in his little cabin, uh, and uh, oh, hang on a minute, there's only three quad bikes here and we actually need four. He said, oh, don't worry. No, I do that. Uh, he said, don't worry, there's another one in this shed here. And so my dad gets on this gleaming black, powerful, amazing quad bike and goes zooming off into the distance. My brother has a similar one but just slightly smaller and it's like a medium size black beauty of a thing and my sister gets like this you know pink glittery one with stars on and like a little ponytail sticking out the back and she goes off like rainbows and you know goes off you know zooming into the distance and then the guy said wait one second he pulls out this rusty green thing that looked a bit like my granddad's lawnmower and was certainly less powerful and he says here you go and so basically all the other my rest of my family is zooming round and round this thing and going really fast and I was having to push mine with my legs to make it try and go faster and I was burning the inside of my leg on the exhaust pipe and it's just a big plume of black smoke everywhere I went and I was sitting on this quad bike just thinking this is so not fair like how have I ended up with this and those guys have ended up with that and isn't that so often how we feel about the gifts that we have We look around the room, we say, how have I ended up with these gifts? And everyone else seems to have those gifts. It's just not fair, it just doesn't feel... I'm here to let you into a secret today. Everyone feels like that. Everyone. Everyone looks around the room and thinks that everyone else is better qualified and more gifted than they are. In fact, we just have been doing staff appraisals in the... uh, church office the last couple of weeks and uh, it's been really fun for me and it's, it's, been, it's been healthy it's been good really good and and as we've been doing that exercise do you know what I mean you, you you will know a number of our staff team you'll know that they're godly passionate gifted you know just um, they're, they're all operating on a higher spiritual plane than the rest of us. They're just extraordinary human beings. And yet, in nearly every staff appraisal that we've done over the last few weeks, this same sentence has come up. I just wish that I was as gifted in this area as that person over there. 
We all think it. And yet, we have to choose to believe one line in this passage if we're going to be um, better stewards of the gifts that we have. And it comes in verse 11. He says this, talking about the Lord. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. So we have to make a decision which is, God, I trust that you have given the gifts that you have determined to give. And that's going to be okay. We have to choose to operate from a place of security that says God knows what he's doing. In his wisdom, in his kindness, in his grace, he's made me that he's, the way he's made me, and, and that is his wisdom and that's okay. It's okay to lean in for more, certainly, and we talked about that, you know, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. It's important that we ask for more, and it's also important that we just say, God, what I have right now is enough for what you're asking of me right now. And we need to operate from a place of security if we're going to be good stewards of what he's given to us. Why don't we stand?